In Her Words is a sub-series from Something Private, featuring lesser-known stories of women who survived unspeakable pains and triumphed. Women who succeed despite and against all odds. This is their story. I first spoke to Norinda over the phone for a potential project collaboration, but after an hour's worth of chats, she told me she had been a listener of the podcast for a while now, with a special story to share. A year ago, Norinda lost her mother to breast cancer, four days after she was diagnosed. But nobody knew she was living with the condition up until then. As you guys must know by now, after all the years of breast cancer awareness campaigns, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is in October. Breast cancer is the number one cancer affecting Singaporean women and early detection can save lives. While mammograms are typically recommended for women above the age of 50, if you are below that age, you can still do a monthly self-examination by yourself at home. We'll go more into detail during our mid-podcast break later on in the episode. But a general rule of thumb is to observe if there are any lumps in your breasts while doing your checkup. Now on to Norinda's story. Hi, I'm Narinda. I'm 36 this year. And well, in my past life, I was in marketing and branding, and I've actually just switched over to pursue writing. Uh, I've set up uh, a site at shyandcurious.com, and it's all about sex and love and you know everything else in between. So my mother and I, we had a very unusual relationship. Yeah, I love her, but yeah, we drove each other nuts. But you know, she was still pretty much my best friend. Last year, almost to the day, we found out that our mom had breast cancer and she had hid it from all of us. And, and, and when she went to hospital, four days later, she passed on. So it was, it was really tough for everyone. And that also actually inspired me to, to start uh, this new project, Shine Curious. And I hope this is a story that you know, lets people find out more about going for checkups, but, but also just to appreciate who they have. Mm. How was your relationship like growing up with your mom? Like, were you guys close? You know, like how mm-hmm. every child has like a favourite parent. Is it just me? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I had a favourite parent. But, uh, yeah. yeah, certainly it wasn't my mom. <laughs> so so I, I, so I think that was kind of why we, we didn't have the easiest relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm the eldest. And then I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Um, my dad... A little bit of background is, is we're not a the typical uh, Malay family, for mm-hmm. example. My mom is Malay Muslim. My dad is Chinese. But he was adopted by an Indian family. So so when we were growing up, we had this mix of like Hindi music and background, Malay songs, uh, dramas, whatnot. So we, we were kind of liberal in that sense. Like we weren't strictly religious or whatever. I was close to my dad. Uh, I found him in the year to talk to. And my mom was really strict. Like she was a stay-at-home mom. Mm. So so basically, after she married my dad, uh, she had me, then my other siblings, and she pretty much uh, yeah she pretty much sacrificed who she was to to just be a mom. Um, but it was something that she wanted. Like at first, I thought it was very different from her because you know I couldn't see myself as a as a housewife. Um, you know I had really big dreams. I, I wanted to go overseas and, and, and study and work. I told her, like, you know, I want to go to New York. You know, she was telling me, like, I don't understand why you want to leave us, you know, just just go to school here, go get a job, go get married, mm. you know. Why do you have to all, do all these things and, and let your parents? Mm. So there was definitely that sense of, like, I was a little bit selfish for pursuing things outside of the norm. And looking back, I, I realized she was just saying it out of love and fear. 
I'm talking a lot about like her naggy moodiness, but on her good days, she was really my best friend. Like we would be gossiping. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that's actually not very normal, but she and I would talk about sex uh, a lot. She had a dirty brain and mouth, <laughs> which I think got passed on to me and, and my siblings. Uh, it's very, you know, 13 year old jokes, like, like uh, penis jokes, dick sizes, whatever, right? And um, she always used to, to make fun of me and the guys I would date. Mm-hmm. So like she'll call, you know, she'll call a blowjob, like playing the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Like, did you play the trumpet today or whatever? And then, so, <laughs> I know. And so I'll be telling this to my friends and they're like, you know, that's not a normal thing. It's true. <laughs> but, but, like, but again, she, she would just, we'll have all these dirty jokes. Mm. But then they'll come to a point where suddenly I feel like her, her murder brain kicks in and like, how dare you talk to me like this, right? Because yeah. she'll start the joke and I'll be, you know, rifting off it and like talking about bananas and sizes and whatnot. And then she suddenly will like... How dare you? You're Muslim. I'm your mother. How can you talk about me like yeah. this? So we were open to that extent. And I would share some of the things about the guys I used to date. Um, and she would tell me about her love life as well, like obviously before my dad. And um, But there were certain things that were still, you know, there was a boundary there. Mm. So the thing about me and my mom is that as much as we would fight, I'm actually super playful around her. Like... We used to have this game where we run around and hide behind the fridge or whatever and like, like boop, boop, boop. <laughs> so, I mean, I kind of wish I kept doing that because then, you know, I would find out. So one day I, I was taking a shower and I, I think I was having a fever. I was about to have a fever and anyway, I fainted in the shower and I was obviously naked and she was the only one in the house and the next thing I knew, she, she was towering over me. And then she's like panicking, of course. She's like, oh my God, baby. And then uh, at that point in time, that Natalia and Bruglia's song, Torn, was super, super popular. So every time that song came on the radio, she would just like, hey, baby, it's your song, Naked on the Floor. <laughs> you know, and I was just like, ugh. And it was, it was funny for the first month. Yeah. But then it'll be like five, six, ten years. And she's like, hey, hey, your song, your song. And I'm just like, oh my god, just let it go, mom. It was just one time you saw me, um, yeah, literally naked on the floor. Uh, you gave birth to me. You know how I look like. And so the funny thing was, I've actually never seen my mom apart from like her arms and her feet. Uh, she didn't wear she didn't wear the hijab, but she would always be in super baggy t-shirts, uh, track pants. Uh, uh, they were just her her uniform, mm. and she was very modest that way. So, and she also, I felt in a way, she had, she had her own issues with her body. Like she felt she was fat, she wasn't, she felt she was too tall and big. So she always hid her body. And, and so when she passed, uh, as, as a Muslim, one of our funeral rites is uh, the body has to be buried straight away. Like within the day or the next day if they passed on. So as women in the family, what we are supposed to do is um, we are supposed to give the deceased her last bathing rights. Mm. So they have this really tiny room and you go in and it's almost, uh, I won't say it, but it looks like a vet (laughs) because there's that metal table Mm. and there's like a shower pipe, everything's tiled and uh, she's laying there. So it's me and a couple of aunts. So then when when I saw her uh, on the table, uh, (laughs) my first thought was like, Sila, you don't want me to see you, right? I'm still going to see you now. And then, and it was, I, I know she would have laughed at it. Um, but when we were in there, I was just trying hard not to, not to cry because um, you're supposed to put on a brave face. The, your tears are supposed to like 
it would have soiled the, the body mm -hmm. because uh, the, the point of getting cleaned up is to be to be your best you know because you're, you're you you literally have to uh, we shower you kind of thing so yeah. um we have little bars of soap there and then uh as the women gather around they we lift the cloth, but we're not allowed to see under. So we just like, you know, wipe her down. And then the, the lead would be like, turn her over, pick her hand up. And and uh, I know they always say that, you know, when you die, your body gets heavier with sin, but you're just super heavy because, you know, yeah, you're dead. And, um, and she was like, like we had three women on each side. So we had to like lift her and, you know, and all I could think about is just like, do not drop her, do not like, in a way it was my last egg for her. Um, because in my mind, I'm like, I screwed up a few times, but I am not going to screw this up. You know, I was like, oh yeah, this is why I do all the weights. So then just lift, lift, move, move. And well, you know, you catch glimpses of it. So, so I was looking at her legs and her waist. I'm just like, mom. What were you so worried about? You know, you have such nice legs, you know, such smooth skin. And, and then I saw um, I saw a tumor. When I saw it, because the doctors had told me in the hospital, like, basically she had no left breast anymore. Mm -hmm. The tumor had eaten up the muscle, but actually just it had taken over her breast. But we were like, well, what do you mean? Because, you know, she's wearing a T-shirt. You see the silhouette? But when... Um, the cloth kind of got up. Uh, it looked like a meteorite. It was just, it was just a, a black uh, rock. Mm. And when I saw it, I yeah, I, I had, I had a moment where I just, uh, I couldn't breathe, and I kind of stepped backwards. And my, my cousin, she saw, she she just helped me, and then, uh, um, and I just, just told myself like, oh mom, you know, like, she lived with that pain because she didn't want anyone to worry for her. She was also scared about talking about it, you know, and, and but to me, it's like, it gotten that bad. At the end of it, um, she gets wrapped up in, in white uh, cotton or white cloth, and they, they kind of cover her up a little bit like a mummy. Mm. And then they, it's not a bowl, but basically they, they kind of tie her up. And I could hear her voice in my head going like, "Oh my God, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Like I look like a babushka. Like I, I, it's. I don't know if it was my mind trying to like make things all right, or it really was her. I want to say it's her. Oh, all those years I didn't wear the hijab, and <laughs> now I have to wear this. So it was, it was hilarious. And then they put, uh, they put eyeliner, <laughs> and then they put a little bit of lipstick, and uh, they put some perfume. But she had to stuff her nostrils with the cotton. And when that was in, I was just like, fuck, she's dead, you know? But that was that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I didn't think about it then, but now it's just like, ha, see, I get to see you naked finally. I was gonna ask you to elaborate on when you realized that was something, something wrong. was wrong with her, yeah. So my mom, like I say, she was just very moody. But she also I mean she had her habits, right? So for example, if she gets sick, she will not visit a doctor. I have not seen her at a doctor at all. Um, so instead what she does, she'll just hide out in her room um, and just and she'll say, oh, she'll sweat it out. Mm -hmm. right? uh, lots of water. She, she won't really eat much and she'll just sweat it out. And then three days later, she'll emerge and she's, she's back to normal. So she was always physically strong. I want to say it was like two, three weeks before. 
she was a bit run down and she would just hide out in her room. I mean, she'll come out, she'll cook or whatever, and then, um, but she would always be hiding in her room. And at that point in time, my sister and I, we just thought uh, she was depressed. To be honest, I wasn't really staying at home much either. I was actually staying at my boyfriend's and I'll come back home once in a while. Um, so then uh, what had happened was I was coming back home and I think my sister must have texted me or something and she just said, mommy's really sick. So I'm like, okay. Because the thing about my mom is she's super stubborn, but sometimes she would listen to me because <laughs> I'll, I'll be the only one who's fierce enough to like stand up and tell her to do something. Mm. So then uh, I came back and, and yeah, she was hiding out in the dark and I turned on the lights. I could see she was just like sweating and she just wouldn't move because she would just lie in one position and and um, just say like, what's wrong? Mm. And she's like, it's nothing. I'm just, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And then I, I told her like, she came, my sister says that you want to see an ambulance. What's wrong? And you want to go to the doctor now? And she's just like, no, no, no. But while you're here, um, I need to talk to you. So I said, okay. She gets out this piece of paper and she gets out this like stack of cash. And she says, if anything happens to me, I want you to call this number. Ask for this guy. Tell them you want this, 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 this. Um, it's all inclusive. I'm just like, what are you talking about? And she's just like, just listen to me. Then, then that's when I'm just like, oh fuck, like something, serious. something, something serious. Yeah, and I'm just like, mommy, what's wrong? And she's just like, I think I'm gonna go. Um, and she's like, so I, I called my brother up, um, and I'm just like, I think you have to come down. Mommy's really sick. Mm. She refuses to get into an ambulance, so I think you need to tell her. So of course he shows up. He shows up the next day, um, and then my dad comes home. Now, my my dad doesn't live with us, but. And the thing was, my mom asked me, did you call him? I'm like, no. No one called him. My mom didn't call him. My dad just knew. And he came back. And he's like, mommy's sick, is it? I'm like, yeah. And uh, I remember it was like, I think it was Sunday. Sunday, like 5 p.m. And suddenly my brother comes home. So there was this very big production because everyone's suddenly home. Mm. And we're like, okay, this is real. We're going to bring you to the hospital. And you have to remember at this point in time, no one knew what was wrong with her. She refuses to say. We just know she's sweating, she's really sunken cheeks and everything, and she just, she could not talk and she couldn't really eat. So, so then the ambulance came and she only let the, the, the woman paramedic, she would only tell her what happened. But again, none of us were in. So, so we rolled her out and it was still very mysterious and they, they brought her to Ang Ting Fong. She went straight to ER, I think. The next day we came in and again, we had no idea what was wrong with her, but when I saw her, she was she was kind of upright in bed. She was she looked a bit healthier, uh, but she was bandaged up. Um, and she that's when she said she said uh, the doctor says my breasts. I want you girls to get yours checked out. Don't be like me, you know. Um, don't wait to the last minute. Don't be scared. There's nothing to be scared of. And and she was actually in really good spirits too, because then. She got really excited and said, oh, uh, yeah, you know, the, so they've, they've done all the checkups and this morning they, they had like a round of interns coming over to check me out. So the minute she said that, in my mind, I mean, on the surface, I'm like, oh, oh mom, that's cool because, you know, to her it's an exciting story. But to me, I'm like, a round of interns came in to check you out meant it's probably a case that they've never seen before, right? Mm -hmm. 
or something something's really serious. Yeah. Because then she starts describing that they basically uh, asked her to, you know, they checked and gave consent everything. Uh, she was comfortable with it, but they, they wanted to see her breasts. Okay. And they wanted to touch it and they wanted to basically see the textures. And I'm like, there must be something really wrong. Yeah. And so then the doctor's like, um, I'm sorry, but uh, it is it is breast cancer. She has a tumor. The reason she's sick is because her tumor has ruptured. She had been bleeding and had pus. So they say, but you know, the, the scans will take a while, so it, they'll probably know more the day after. Mm. So, so okay, this is technically like the second day of that she's in the hospital, right? Yeah. But the first day that we saw her, so she was still in good spirits and everything, and we were nervous, but we were just like, we just thought, yeah, you know, technology is great, science is great. It's gonna fix everything, but um, there was a lot of anger, you know. Like, I just felt like I felt like shit. I felt like a shitty doctor for not capturing it. Mm. Um, I also felt like so. The first night that she went in, she said to me, "Whatever you find, I'm so sorry. I'm so so sorry." So then I got home, and uh, we're cleaning up her room, and under the bed there's this pile of t-shirts. And I put it, and then when I pulled it out, it was just like it was t-shirt soaked with blood and pus, because that's how she was hiding it. She would wear a t-shirt, and because the tumor had ruptured, it was soaked in blood, and she was just change and sorted under change and sorted under. So I was washing it, I was crying and cursing. I'm like, I mean, I was cursing because I was just, I felt so helpless. Like, yeah. Like I should have known, you yeah. know. And 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 I was crying because I'm like. There must have been so much pain because it's not like one, two t-shirts. It was like 10, 12. And I'm scrubbing all the blood out and like you see that progression. So I'm like, this is really bad. Yeah. yeah. So the next day, I was asked to come in at 8 a.m. And again, I was like, oof, visiting hours don't start till like 11. Mm. So for me to come in at 8 a.m. to talk about her results meant shit. <laughs> right. So I went to my myself. And I asked them, like, okay, what's going on? And they just showed me the scans and they're like, she's stage four, but she probably had it for a long time. And, you know, they were asking me questions, like, well, she has a, ever gone to a doctor? Like, how, you know, in a way, it's like, how did it get so bad? And I told, I told them, like, she's super strong. If she wants to fight things, she, like, pain for her, she has a super high tolerance of pain. So, so no one knew, because I'm like, yeah, no one knew. Right? And they showed the scans and, and yeah, so you see that her left breast was totally gone mm. and she had tumors on her right. But then they also spread to her lungs and her bones. Mm. So they were like, we need to bring her for chemo now, like today. Mm. They needed to arrange to like bring her to uh, a new age, I believe, um, or somewhere else because they, they didn't have the equipment and they were like, are you okay with it? Can you consent? And I'm like, yeah, just do whatever you can. And I say, does she know she has stage four? And they're like, no. I'm like, don't tell her. Because we, if we told her that it's stage four, she would kind of give up in spirit. I went to her bedside and she looks at me. And and yeah, th this would have been our last moment together. Mm -hmm. um, and she was kind of half sleeping. And when I sat down, I'm like, hi, mommy. And then she opens her eyes. And she's like, am I going to die? And... Um, I looked at it and I'm like, no, you know, and I started 
saying the names of like people I knew, you know, people I knew who survived. Like, oh, it's nothing, mom. You know, yeah, they're gonna cure it. It's fine. You're gonna live a long, long life. Don't worry. We're taking a short break. Something Private is a podcast produced by WeFM. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts to get notified the second a new episode drops every Tuesday. As mentioned at the start of the episode, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. The reason why there's so many campaigns around this cancer is because if detected early, it can save lives. So I'm going to dish out some steps you guys can take at home to examine yourselves. First and most importantly, you should do your self-examination between 7 to 10 days from the start of your period. And you should do it monthly. The Singapore Cancer Society breaks it down into three simple steps. Step 1, look. In the mirror with your hands by your side, observe if there's any changes in shape, texture of skin or anomalies. Step 2. Touch. Touch and feel your breast by using your middle three fingers, moving in a circular motion from the outer area towards the nipple. Gently squeeze your nipple to check for any discharge. Repeat this step for your other breast. Step 3. Go around. Check for lumps by examining your entire breast from your armpit all the way to your cleavage with different types of pressures. Breast cancer doesn't just affect women who are above the age of 50, so you need to start incorporating this into your self-care routine, sis. Check your tits today. This is really important. If you need more tips or help, feel free to reach us on Instagram at somethingprivatepod. That's somethingprivatepod, P-O-D, or email us at nicole at somethingprivate.fm. Now back to the episode. She's like, okay. And then she closes her eyes again and, you know, I'm sponging her down. And then she starts telling me like, oh, where is Chicken? I thought I saw her come in with you. And I realized she's hallucinating already. So I called my sis and I'm like, I think you better come down because my siblings were all at work. So then we were just like, oh, guys, this is bad. Come down. And my sister comes in. And at the point of time, I, I took a little break. When I went back up, <laughs> the last thing my mom ever said to me was, what took you so long? Where did you go? <laughs> she was basically scolding me. And I was just and I just mucked at her and I'm just like, oh, I was just gone for an hour. Relax. Which is always our joke. I always tell her to relax, right? <laughs> so then uh, I'm grabbing my sister and, and we're hugging and we're like crying our eyes out and we just watch her being wheeled away to ICU and you're just like pushing her and I was like, you know, it looked like those those movies or shows and, and I'm just all I can think of is like fuck right um so yeah so that was that was the third day probably around 2 2 p.m um and at that time i i knew i had to start telling the relatives but yeah so when she crashed and we got the relatives in that's when the doctors got the siblings for a conference Mm -hmm. i remember we were at the icu and then they just had this room and the three of us just sat together and we looked at each other and we're like we know this is really it, right? And we're like, yeah. Then obviously the doctor comes in, tells us like, we think she has, at first they were like, we think she has maybe a few days, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, and they said that uh, it got complicated because her lungs started to have water and they really couldn't do much because she had too many tumors and they were so afraid that if they did this, it'll complicate that, and then and you know, by that time my brain's just like, psh, like, like I, I do not understand any of this. But all I all I knew was that it's she's gonna go. We went into the room. She was really hooked up on the ventilator, 
basically she was really in a coma. And we just, that was it. Like, yeah. And the next, I couldn't sleep that night. And I was thinking of the dumbest stuff. I was thinking like, oh, if we have an obituary, we don't have a recent good picture of mom, you know, <laughs> because she hates to have photograph taken. And like, the only pictures we have is like hers in the 80s. And then like, um, and, and I, so yeah, I was like looking at old pictures of her at night. Then suddenly at like uh, eight, we got the call. And I just, I didn't even know, I, I knew. I was just like, yeah, we're on the way, you know. And then, and then I was like, I just ran in and like woke everyone up and we all just got in the cab and just went straight to the hospital. I mean, thank, thank goodness the hospital was like literally 15 minutes away. And then um, and we all ran up and and they just said that her vitals were crashing and they think it's just a few more hours. And they say, we think she's trying to hold on, but uh, I think it's time for you guys to to say your goodbyes. Uh, my brother was staying in Haokang and so he, he was like running, driving, going nuts to, to Jurong. And then um, and when he was there and we were all there, uh, we were all just silent. We are just surrounding her. We are just looking at her, right? Because, um, I mean, what do you do? <laughs> you can't do anything. Um, my dad started praying, you know, and I... I just look at her and I was, uh, there was this weird feeling to just go and kiss her, kiss her on the cheek and to talk to her. And, um, and I got that nudge and I kissed her and I said, do not yes. And I, I whispered, uh, it's okay. You know, we'll take care of it. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to hang on. We're going to be all right. Um, you should rest. He said, like, don't worry, we're going to be okay. And this is the part that oh, I always remember because I had that second urge to just go and kiss her again. So I kissed her and I whispered in her ear and I said, five more minutes. And then after I said that, the nurse comes in and the nurse just holds me and she whispers to me and she said, your mom is gone. That was four days four days and when they finally buried her because as women our role is washing her up but as men they do the literal heavy lifting so they carry her and they all bring her down so it was my brother's turn so he lifted her into uh, the plot you know lay her on her side made sure she she faced um, a car and then um that's when the, the the soil gets you know planted because <laughs> it was very surreal i had to say it was the next day because you know you go to sleep eventually and then when you wake up and you're like okay wait was that a dream or and then and then it hits you and i just remember opening my eyes and it was like 8 a.m and and at first i was still like in that hazy like okay what happened and then i'm like mommy's gone All right and then those words come in and and then I just watched the clock go and it's like 9.05 and I was just like, mm. you know, and it's it's really dramatic <laughs> kind of framing. And then and I'm like, okay, what would mommy do? Right? And I'm like, okay, go and walk to the plants, go feed the cats, like try to be normal. Um, but I remember I, I, so I got out of the house and, you know, her plants are all there. And then I'm watering the plants and then my neighbor comes out uh we've been neighbors since like i don't know since i was born so uh her husband told her that you know, my mom passed 
and uh, and she she can speak Malay. She's this Chinese lady, and she looks at me, uh, watering the plants, and she makes a joke, <laughs> an inappropriate joke, but she basically says, "Susala um, tak which means life is difficult without a mother. And I look at her and I just smile, but then. Then she starts crying, and then I start crying, and I go over and I hug her, and then and then she pushes me away, and she's she says in Malay, she's like, "How did you not know? She lived with you. How did you not know?" And I start crying, and I say, "She was hiding it. She was hiding it." So, dealing with grief is bad enough, but because of the circumstance, we had to keep answering the same question: How did you not know? And it, it didn't just come... Like, I understood why my neighbor said that because she herself is a cancer survivor. When she said that, I was just like... I was echoing her. I'm like, how did I not know? How did I not catch on? Was I so involved and wrapped up in my own life? You know, I was staying with, with my boyfriend. I'm like, you know, was I, was I so selfish kind of thing? And... Uh, did you have time to, like, I guess, like, process that on your own then? I guess like it took it, it took a while. It took a while. Actually, it took some counseling because you know initially I was thinking like okay maybe I have to go for grief counseling. Yeah. But I I think as like many Malays in or maybe culture wise, all I thought was like I need to take over her role now. You know, I'm the woman of the house now, right? And I, I freaked out like I don't even know how to cook, you know, kind of thing. And then so it's like it's. It's weird how your brain looks at the mundane things, right? But it's also like, just keep the house running to make it seem like she was on holiday. Mm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about it then, but you know, after a month and so, and then I realized she's not coming back. And I didn't even realize that I was, I was thinking that way, that I'm just keeping the house nice and clean for her until she comes back. And then, I don't know when it would, uh, yeah, I don't know when it hit me that she's not. <laughs> like she pops up in my dreams sometimes, and then uh, I know she's happy. I know she's at rest, and uh, like family-wise, they called and check in. But you know, like after some time, like life kind of goes back to normal. In a weird way, I'm kind of glad the COVID stuff took over because then the whole world went crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So. It did allow us to pause, mm-hmm. and it did allow me to process my grief. And, and I was, and then I became grateful for the weirdest things. I became grateful that she passed before this happened, because no one could have seen her in the hospital. She would have probably have to. We would have had the funeral rites, and so we you get grateful for certain things. One thing that I guess like struck me with this whole story is that like your mom. You, you say that, you know, you guys have an open and comfortable relationship in that you can joke about, like, sex. Why was there, with all the openness that you guys shared, why was there this inability to, yeah, like, to come, come clean with, like, her situation or condition? She was always um, playing small. Yeah, like... She didn't want to burden others, or she felt like she didn't really want to own herself. Mm. I wouldn't say she didn't want to, but she just didn't feel she was worthy, right? And so she didn't she didn't share that with us because she didn't want us to to worry. Uh, a lot of it was fear, because she didn't understand what was going on with her, and 
I mean, all we knew was that she was she was drinking a lot of holy water, and okay, that was something that really pissed me off too, because like she had been buying holy water and we didn't realize it, but she was using it to treat herself versus going to the actual doctor. I see. Okay. And and when I was cleaning up her stuff, she would leave a lot of like notes around the house, like um, there would be like recipes, grocery grocery lists, right? She had really cute handwriting and so I was, I was trying to find pieces of her basically but what struck me was that in between her notes on, on what she's going to cook was suddenly prayers and as I read the prayers started getting more and more intense like like I recognized them as these are the prayers you say when you know something is really bad mm-hmm. so she kept it to herself I think because she was so fearful mm. she was really, really fearful I don't think it really registered in her that this was happening to her. Mm. And there was shame that, I mean, it's breast cancer. So, and, and as a woman, you know, it's breasts are part, in, of, her, part yeah, of her body. Yeah, exactly. And she felt like she was divorced and her kids are leaving the nest. Mm. What else does she have? And as a woman, like, you know, I feel like, in a way, she probably internalized it as um, she, she, she had some. Uh, she failed. You know? Mm. You know, okay. I so I call the site shy and curious because basically I'm writing for my mom because she was super curious. Like she was, she was super intelligent and she would want to know about these things, but she was shy. Like she wouldn't want to admit that I really want to Google about I don't know, yeah, stuff. So it's so shy and curious. But I would really like to drop the shy from it. No. That's the aim of the site. If I can drop the shy from shy and curious and just be curious and get people to talk about it as normally as they like, hey, where are we going to have dinner? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am a bit TMI sometimes. My boyfriend complains about it sometimes. But uh, yeah, maybe if you don't process this, then you, know, you end up in situations like, like my mom, for example, right? Not just sex, but you know, the mental stuff, exactly. the body stuff. Exactly. Yep. Like, what's the point of hiding it? Yep. I just wanted to, I guess, like, round up um, this episode by asking you, like, in light of, like, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, do you have any nuggets of wisdom or, like, any, <laughs> yeah, like, any, like, reflections that you'd like to share? So, I'll be upfront. Uh, to me, October was just, yeah, sure, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But because I personally was not touched by it, to me, it was just like, oh, okay. It's yep. just another event, right? Ironically, the week before my mom passed, I was actually designing like little uh, magnets for, for, for another project I was working on for, for breast cancer, right? And, I, and when it actually happens to you, mm. you're like, oh, shit. Like, this is real. Mm. It can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. And why have I not been checked out yet, <laughs> you know? And then, and then when you start to try to find the literature on it, uh, there's a lot of good resources. But it's also like they'll they'll say things like, well, actually, you can only really do a mammogram when you're like 40 and yep. above, etc. And I mean, even now, I'm still researching because uh, so we decided that you know during in October, like on behalf of my mom, my sister and I are gonna go get checked out and, yep. and make it like a ritual, right? To just also to deal with the the grief and stuff. It's really easy to just dismiss stories like this as uh, yeah it's not gonna happen to me because <laughs> i was guilty of that 
And then when it really hits home, you realize, well, it's not just the impact on you. It's the impact on family. It's the impact on friends, right? And it's... Exactly. Yeah. And uh, even if, let's say, you are fearful, just... I would say it's worse to just be in the dark and to deal with it yourself. Mm. Uh, and then that's the other thing too. Like, don't don't ever feel like it's a burden to share. Uh, that's what family is for. That's what friends are for, right? Um, you are worthy of of being loved and and being taken care of. You know, and I think as women, we all like to fall into like, oh, we take care of everyone else. And then when it comes to our turn, we're just like, eh, like, why bother? Like, no, oh, no, I don't, uh, it's okay, it's okay, you know, mm. and then, um, but no, you know, just, just go get it checked out. And even if you can't go for a mammogram, just do your, your self-examinations. You know, there are videos out there, you can Google them, they're still safe to watch. <laughs> yeah. It's really better to just live with the ease of mind that I've done my checkups. Yep. I know my family's history. And uh, but still, you know, carry on with life because there's so many survivors, right? So many exactly. survivors, and and there are still, there's, yeah, my mom passed. There's, there's still so much good that came out of it. She's still teaching me things even beyond the grave, right? Like like she's still kicking my ass in its own way with like all these lessons you learn. So in this past year, I would say I've I've. I've changed. I've changed a lot. Definitely, I'm more grateful. Mm. I'm also better at boundaries. I'm better at uh, realizing that, hey, I need to take care of myself better. So, um, so yeah, in, in light of breast cancer awareness, I just think that just don't be fearful. Mm. You're, just, you're taking care of yourself. This is totally normal. Just go do it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you guys didn't cry at least once, literally. Special shout out to Narinda for coming on our podcast to share about her experience. If you guys want to check out her website, it's shyandcurious.com where she shares about love, relationships, sex and wellness as well. That's all for today. If you like our podcast, please subscribe to us on all the various podcasting platforms and share us with your friends, family and loved ones. See you guys next week. 